The Cincinnati Reds have been pretty selective over the years in the international signing pool, and they were again. However, they got themselves an impressive class of international signings. Lindsey Crosby from the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast joins us today to talk about that signing class and how the selectiveness has actually favored the Reds as the future is trending up. That's all coming up on today's Locked On Reds podcast. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making the Locked On Reds podcast your hashtag first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms that you can get your podcasts, including YouTube. Uh, If you're not already subscribed over there, head over to YouTube right now and click that subscribe button. Even if you're just an audio only listener, because there's going to be some content coming up that you're only going to be able to get there. Uh, I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker, alongside co-host Jeff Carr, and we are the Reds fans that have a passion for this team. We are addicted to baseball and the Cincinnati Reds, and we have turned that passion and that addiction into information for you. On today's podcast, uh, we're going to be talking about the future of the Reds. They made a big splash in the international signing pool, and our guy Lindsey Crosby from over at Locked On MLB Prospects is going to be here to talk with Jeff about the group of incoming players. There's a lot of reasons to be excited about the future of the Cincinnati Reds, and they're going to dig into that and a whole lot more coming up next. So stick around. Let's go. Already for today's Locked On Reds, we have Lindsey Crosby from Locked On MLB Prospects, newly minted actually. He's just gotten going on the podcast. It's been really awesome. He actually had a good episode the other day, getting the chance to kind of outline what goes on with the international signing period. And since the Reds made a pretty big splash signing a couple of guys one really notable one, I wanted to have him on. And I wanted to talk about exactly what the Reds got. And he's got an interesting take as to the Reds' strategy for international signings. We're going to talk about all of that here coming up. But firstly, it's awesome to have you on the podcast, Lindsay. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited, Jeff. Yeah, it's it's been fun because, I'll be honest, there weren't supposed to be a whole lot going on for the Reds this offseason anyway. So the international signing period was something that folks had earmarked. There were lots of different rumors about who the Reds could be in on and, and some guys who have really big words attached to them, like five-tool player and things like that. But we are talking about 16-, 17-, 18-year-old kids who still have a lot of growing to do. With that being said, though, they got a pretty impressive dude. Yeah, so uh, the number three overall prospect consensus across everybody, shortstop Ricardo Cabrera, uh, 6'1", 184, and he's the guy you're talking about that's seen as the five-tool player. I've I've seen that, and I've seen complete player thrown out. But uh, for him, he really came to attention a few years ago when they were doing the different showcases for the different guys in the different signing classes. He was out there competing against guys in the 2020 signing class and the 2019 signing class and holding his own. So that's what got the Reds' attention. Uh, he so, so offensively, let's do that first because, you know, homers is what get people going. He's got a, a really quick and kind of direct swing. Uh, he can hit the ball for power to all fields. I mean, he sprays line drives from foul pole to foul pole. Uh, he can hit all the gaps. He's starting to convert those line drives into home runs that started to develop. But you have to remember, you're talking about a 16-year-old kid. I mean, he's 6'1", 184. He's going to have more time to develop into that. I think 
the potential's there for plus power. Uh, just give them a little bit of time in a, you know, in a professional weight room with nutrition and development. He'll definitely get there. And then defensively, if you need him at shortstop, he can stick at shortstop. I feel like he'd be a really good third baseman. He's got just pure athleticism. Uh, he has really soft hands and, and a plus speed with a strong arm. He can make all the plays you need at short, but I think he'd, he would be above average to a plus defender at third if that's where he ends up going as he finishes developing. Because again, 16-year-old kid you're talking about, it's going to take a little while for him to fill into his body and then get to the minor leagues. And I think it's important to know too, a lot of people think, well, shortstop, third base, feels like they kind of got that covered for the future. Probably like at least five, six years before we even see this guy. Yeah, the way it usually works with an international free agent is you'll sign them the first signing period. Um, and then after that, they probably won't actually come to the States to play full time for another year. So he'll stay in Latin America at the academy. He'll compete with one of the Dominican Summer League teams. He'll probably com compete in fall ball. And then maybe next spring, he may come up for rookie ball you know, next summer after the draft, come up for rookie ball and then start in the minors full time two years from now. So when you're looking at an international free agent, Yes, you usually end up saving a little bit of money versus a comparable guy from the MLB draft, but it takes a little bit longer because they need to get to 18 before they really start playing full-time in your system. And it's cool to see, I mean, the athleticism, the profile that people are talking about, obviously these top guys, we at least have a better scouting report of, and everything that they're saying about this dude just sounds awesome. So I'm looking forward to seeing his growth as he moves through the red system. They also did uh, their, their, their number two rated guy in this class for the reds is another shortstop. And there are some that believe that he probably would even stick at shortstop. Am I right? Yeah. So Antoine Valencia international free agency works a little bit differently from say scouting for the MLB draft. Oftentimes these deals have been in agreement in principle for two years. And oftentimes in Latin America, when when you have an agreement with a team to play for them, other teams pretty much stop scouting you. And there's a few guys, the top guys, Ricardo Cabrera, obviously everybody's still interested. He's consensus as one of the top players, but like Valencia, he's 45th from baseball America, but he's 32nd from MLB pipeline. And that's one of those things where there's just a lack of information compared to a comparable prep player or a college player here in the States. Uh, but yeah, his, he's 5'10", 165. His nickname is El Capitan. Uh, which I love. And, I'm here for that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, I think he's underrated. You see that 45 ranking. I think he's underrated because he wasn't in one of the big prominent programs and he pretty much stayed in country during a lot of the scouting process. These guys will go from country to country, go to the different showcases, go to visit the different academies and, you know, do drills and practices and scrimmages. And he didn't do a lot of that. I think his ratings deflated because of that. And the Reds actually got a pretty good deal. He, He's that rare player that it feels like mentally is prepared to face tough competition. You know, he has a great makeup. It's, it's not just um, how he performs in, you know, in the moment, but just he's a natural leader. He has that presence about him. And I think that's why he has the nickname of the captain. Uh, uh, you know, offensively, he, he used to switch it. Now he's exclusively a right-handed hitter. Uh, he, he's got a little bit of sneaky pop and power for his size, but, you know, and, and 
and he'll make hard contact, but he's not going to be mistaken for, you know, a 30 home run power threat kind of guy. But defensively, he is as good as advertised. Like you said, he's going to stick it short. Uh, he high energy. He can make all of the routine plays and the flashy ones. He has a really smooth glove. He has a good arm and he'll probably stick at shortstop unless you ask him to move to second to, to fill a deficiency in the system or to fill in for an injury or something like that. He, he has the natural tools to stay at short. There's a specific guy I'm thinking of that I'm hoping he's still here in five or six years playing second base, but that's kicking the can down the road. There's one other guy in these top three that he, he strikes us for the reason that we say big power. He's got a lot of power, and that is S. Smith Pineda. It was nice seeing that and kind of the mixture of the three. Obviously, you have the all-around talent reportedly for Ricardo Cabrera. You have the they, they kind of called him a glove first, but like you said, he's probably underrated with his other tools in Antoine Valencia. And now you've got a big power bat, S. Smith Pineda. Kind of makes me think of a number of different guys like Adam Dunn, maybe like a Willie Mopena, something like that. Is that is, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, though? I mean, we're we are projecting onto a, a 16 or 17 year old, but yes, I mean, he's <laughs> yeah. a, a 5'10, 183, uh, big corner outfielder. Uh, he's Definitely offense first. He actually anchored the Panama Little League World Series team. Fun fact, if you watch the Little League World Series, you'll see some of these guys pop up from time to time. Um, he's a very aggressive hitter, and that's good and that's bad. He's got above average power. That's kind of where it projects to be. But since he's so aggressive, he does have a greater than normal number of swings and misses. So when you put that all together, it comes out to about an average hitter but it's a guy that he's either going, he's definitely a three true outcomes kind of guy is what it feels like. Again, projecting onto a 16, 17 year old defensively. He's got a, he's got a strong, accurate arm and decent enough speed. I could see him doing, you know, playing a pretty good right field. He reminds me of a guy. When you look at his, his speed and his defense, he reminds me of a guy like a Nick Markakis. Nobody is really scared of Nick Markakis. But then when you hit the ball to right, he gets to it and he gets it in in a hurry. So uh, he's somebody who profiles to be and definitely an offensive first, but an all around contributor in a corner outfield spot. There's a lot more good stuff about some further signings by the Reds that are outside of those top three guys coming up here in just a moment. Before we talk about that, though, I want to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the amazing snack that will fit right into your diet. I know that we're all diet conscious here in the month of January, one way or the other, and you've probably gotten to that point. We're about to the point in the month of January where you're just like, is this New Year's resolution even worth it? I just want some chocolate. Built Bar is going to help you with that. It's made with 100% real chocolate. Plus, the statistics on it just make it so fantastic. Talking about MVP numbers, averaging around 130 calories, less than 4 grams of sugar, less than 4 grams of fat, and up to 17, sometimes 18 grams of protein. Take advantage of it today. Add it to your lineup and win your diet. I'm telling you, it's going to satisfy the sweet tooth while not killing any diet that you've got go to built.com use the promo code locked 15 to save 15 percent off your next order on the amazingly delicious and specifically nutritious built bar all right we've got a lot more coming up talking with Lindsay crosby from the locked on mlb prospects podcast uh, let's jump right back in 
Well, I'm hoping to see the development of these guys, and, and, and that's really just the top three. There's plenty more in this class, and I, I'm sure that, I mean, kind of like we said, as you go down the list, there's less and less available on each one of these dudes. Like there's, there's a couple of guys. I remember reading an article from our, our friend Doug Gray at redspinerleagues.com where some of the guys are listed as, Hey, we're waiting on the scouting report. I, all I can tell you is how old he is and how tall he is, something like that. Um, and, and there's plenty of guys like that, but there's plenty of guys to be excited about too in that kind of seven to 10 range. And a couple of them are pitchers. Who was the one that really stuck out to you the most? Okay, so, so there's actually three that stuck out to me as far as the pitchers, but the first one was um, Ben Walmsley from Australia. Uh, he is a, a, well, one, we just don't see very many Australians. Okay. I think right. there's been 33 native born Australians have actually made MLB, uh, but he's one, he prep pitcher can hit 91 um, has a good curveball, good secondary offerings, and he has good upside. But the, the thing that I like here is because professional baseball isn't at the level that it is here in the States, he has a lot less mileage than you see from a lot of international signees as far as how much how much he's had to do, how much throwing he's done, how much abuse his arm has taken. So I believe Trey Hendricks, the director of international scouting for the Reds, actually called it a low mileage arm just simply because him compared to an equivalent guy that they would get from a Venezuela, from a Panama or Colombia, just has a lot less mileage on his arm. And so you would think more time to develop, but also he has, you know, less wear and tear as of now. Does he have a submarine delivery? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I watched a little bit of video on him. Um, I think he might be a little bit of a, maybe not all the way below 90 degrees, but he's dropped down a bit which makes me think of Peter Moylan immediately just because I love Peter Moylan. Um, but, but no, he, he's, he's low mileage and the motion definitely works. It's something that's, it's smooth. It's repeatable. And like, like we said, he hasn't had to do a lot with it as of now, just going through the prep ranks in Australia. So, so I feel good about his long-term future from an injury standpoint. That's, that's okay. That was a bad joke on me. Submarine delivery. <laughs> He's from down under. You know. Oh. <laughs> but Ooh. hey, hey, the guy from down under has huge upside. I like that. Um, <laughs> there's okay. Before we have any more bad jokes about that, um, there's another guy, and this dude. He's got an interesting name, but his fastball is touching pretty high on the radar gun. At least for a 17 year. I know when I was 17, I wasn't throwing near this fast. Oh yeah, mine wasn't in here. So. I'm going to try this the best I can. Lisnerkin Lantiga. I won't take that. That sounds good. Thanks. There you go. Uh, just say it with confidence. No, he's, so he's a converted outfielder. He, he, he's been pitching now for about two years. He hits 91 on the gun already. He has a, a three-pitch mix. We don't know a ton about him other than the fact that he's athletic enough where he was playing in the outfield and they said, Hey, your arm's really good. You should come pitch. So he switched to that full time. I don't know if that's an indictment on how well he can hit or how hard he can throw, but either way, seeing a youth player convert like that makes you feel, okay, he's got a decent level of athleticism because they used him in the field. And then now kind of to see one, how hard he can throw and two, just to enjoy hearing some people say that name. That's going to be fun yeah. to track him through the system as all the different minor league announcers try to figure out how to say Lisnerkin Lantiga. That really rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? I mean, Lisnerkin Lantigua. You know, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm singing the one song. Um, 
I'm not gonna that idea. All right, <laughs> the the third pitcher on the list that really got, see, I'm I'm getting myself in trouble with these bad here. jokes. I'm just oh my gosh. Yeah, let's uh, let, let's talk about him because um yeah should should talk about him. <laughs> yeah. So so Nelfrey Payano, also a right hander. All three of these pitchers have been right handed, but he he's another player that converted um from from a position to pitching he actually was a shortstop so again you think has pretty good athleticism he's only been pitching for about a year and yet he's hitting 93 on the gun same thing has a three pitch mix he's working on but another guy that you have to feel defensively is going to be pretty good athletically has to be pretty good and obviously has a great arm if he's been pitching for a year and he can already hit 93 i pitched for a lot longer than a year and never hit 93 so (laughs) that has to make you feel good about his his just his overall athleticism and what he's going to be able to do as he develops into that body. That's it's always good to add depth of talent to your pitching. That's something that I feel like the Reds have done pretty well in these recent years. They've had some guys really creep up so far as their development. I mean, obviously Graham Ashcraft is the first guy that comes to mind. He just mm-hmm. got an invite to spring training. So that was cool to see. Um, but guys like that, so I'm interested to see how these guys develop once they get into the system. Yeah, and and kind of same caveat here with the other guys. You have to keep in mind you're probably not going to see them in the states. Usually, my my target for a guy who signed an international free agency, especially his last two years where they signed in January, uh, is the goal is going to be probably to get them into rookie ball by the summer of the second year that they're with your team. So you look at them, they'll stay in Latin America at the Academy all year this year. And the hope is that you can get them into rookie ball next year, along with your draftees after the draft. Coming up on tomorrow's Locked On Reds podcast, we are going to jump into a survey that C. Trent Rosecrans wrote and, and has going on at The Athletic, talking about our confidence in the direction of the Reds. We're also going to begin our series that I mentioned yesterday, talking about Nick Senzel and the many storylines that come with him in 2022. Plus, there's still more to come about the Reds' international signing strategy here in just a moment with Lindsey Crosby. Before we talk about that, though, we got to get on betonline.ag, man. You know about sports. You've got the mind for sports. Now make some cash off of your sports knowledge. Go to betonline.ag today and use the promo code locked on at sign up to get a 50% welcome bonus. You're going to start that bankroll off on the up and up before you even make a bet. Head on over there today and check out all the great lines that they've got. When it comes to the NFL playoffs, our Bengals are back in action this Saturday against the Titans and their three and a half point dogs or three point dogs to pay on where you look right now. But betonline.ag is the place to be. Plus you can check out the NBA, the NHL, the UFC, boxing and all of the college basketball that you can handle it's all at betonline.ag and set up your profile with that promo code locked on to get a 50 percent welcome bonus at betonline.ag where the game starts all right let's finish up my conversation with Lindsay crosby and that was something that you had mentioned and and something that really intrigued me because i mean i i could not tell you exactly how I viewed the Reds international signing strategy. I know that with guys like Vladimir Gutierrez really coming up and making a huge impact this past year. And hopefully we're talking about the dude who's going to be manning the shortstop position for some time to come. We hope in Jose Barrero, 
we're starting to see the fruits of that labor. And you said that their strategy is a little bit different from some folks, but it's paying off. Yeah. So there's, there's a couple different worlds of thought when it comes to international free agency. And I'm going to contrast you guys with like, say the Brewers. So the Brewers signed 33 players, international free agency, the, the Reds signed 10 and Trey Hendricks, again, your director of international scouting has been very deliberate about, he said, we're not necessarily going to go for quantity. Uh, we are more focused on, we'd rather get less guys, but get higher quality guys. So the, the, the bonus pool is capped, but obviously if you're taking less guys, that's more money per guy, you're able to go out and get the number three overall prospect. And then you capped out with 10 overall players. And Cincinnati doesn't have as many lower level minors and rookie ball spots as a lot of other clubs do. So a lot of baseball clubs, not everybody, but a lot of clubs will have uh, two, you know, two a league teams, a low A and a high A. Uh, a lot of clubs will possibly, you know, and or have two Dominican league teams. So you have plenty of spots to fill guys in. Cincinnati only has one Dominican team and one um, like Arizona, you know, spring training league team. And so there's less spots. And as a result, that means you can spend a little bit more money per player to get on average better players versus doing the, the, Milwaukee and not signing anybody of critical acclaim, but just signing 33 guys to kind of put them into your system and, and see what comes up out of that. So I, it feels a lot more deliberate to me. And when you look at some of what Cincinnati system has now in the time that Hendricks has been there, and you've mentioned some of these guys, you see Jose Barrero should be your starting shortstop on opening day of Vladimir Gutierrez have a spot in the rotation. You see Ellie De La Cruz, came out of nowhere and should probably in three years is probably going to be your starting third baseman. If what we have seen over the last 12 months of him is correct. Um, Alan Serta might debut in the next two years. And it's, it's guys that Cincinnati strategically targeted and scouted and said, we want that player and we'll pay extra for him versus let's just go sign as many players as we can. Like the Brewers did. Yeah. It's, kind of my strategy with playing darts is just throw as many as possible, even though they only give you three, but you know, I just try and throw them and see where I hit. Um, but no, he said something interesting with Jose Barrera. Randomly, this has been a huge hot button topic all over the red social media sphere about Jose Barrera or Kyle farmer at shortstop in 2022. Uh, I'm going to stop everybody that it's, it's Jose Barrero. All right. Like it's time for him to sink or swim. It's time for him to take over. Kyle Farmer moves back into the super utility role. And I really believe Jose Barrero is going to swim. So yeah, we're going to get a flood of comments on that one. But when I Correct look me if at, I'm wrong, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, Kyle, no. Kyle Farmer is 31 and has <laughs> only been the full-time starter one season of his entire career. Yep. Yeah. It's Barrero. Like it's not even a conversation. Yeah. No, it's, it, it's absolutely Barrero. Yeah. And, and the thing of it is, like, people look at what he did this last year and they think that, oh, he's only going to get better from there. That is the best that Kyle Farmer has ever done. Yeah. I, I don't know how you can say that his ceiling is higher than that. I think that's kind of who he is. And I'm not saying that to belittle what he has done. I think that he is an important part of this franchise this year. He's going to be a dude that really helps them on the depth side of things, and they are a shallow roster. So he is going to help that. But he is not, he should not be counted on as a everyday player hitting, you know, sixth, fifth in the lineup. He had an amazing July. 
right, I, I get it. You take away July that uh, last year, that wasn't that good. And one of the skills that people seem to underrate in baseball as a whole, and I've especially with fans, is versatility, defensive versatility. And so when you take a guy like a Kyle Farmer, like a Kike Hernandez, you know, who could play multiple positions and you play them at one spot all season because they can do it, you lose out on some of the additional value that player brings. And so, like, I absolutely agree. Barrero should be the starter. And then Kyle Farmer can play three, four different positions, whatever is needed that day. If he's, you know, you can, it is entirely possible in 2022 to take a super utility guy and play them five days a week at four different positions and get them 500 at-bats in a season. I mean, if they're valuable, they will be able to contribute to the team that way. And then if someone gets hurt, that's where their versatility comes in because you haven't already locked them into a spot somewhere else. I totally agree. And, and I, I think that's going to be an interesting development as we get closer to whenever the season's going to start. But I think that Jose Barrero should be that everyday shortstop. And, and that just kind of keys on the strategy that the Reds have had. And, and you used a word that I love whenever we were talking about this subject, the money ball of the international side. You, you, t- you talk about that. I mean, number one, you get me thinking about Barry Pitt. You think about uh, Chris <laughs> Pratt. To I mean, Chris Pratt's like my favorite dude ever. So, yeah, tell me more about how the Reds are taking advantage of it. Okay, so when it comes to international free agency, uh, the, big, the big places where everybody goes to get their players is the Dominican Republic and Venezuela. Those are the big countries. Most of the teams have their academies and the – in the Dominican so that all the players can come there and play. And that's where the summer leagues are and the winter leagues are and things like that. Uh, Cincinnati has kind of focused on some of the untapped markets that aren't as heavily looked at. So this class has checked my notes. So this class has, I believe two players from Panama. This class has two or three players from Colombia. We already mentioned a player from Australia and only 33 native Aussie players have ever made MLB. There's not a lot of scouts looking at Australia. Cincinnati has two scouts full-time in Australia, which I did a little bit of checking today. I believe that's either the most of any team or that's tied for the most of any team. There's a lot of talent to mine in some of these lesser uh, looked at areas, but especially over the last two years, a lot of people just haven't been to the Panama, to the Columbias, to the Australias and looking for some of this talent. We see the Cardinals doing this with Korea. The Cardinals signed uh, a, a, international free agent out of Korea. He's the first Korean player to enter the international draft. And it was, I'm sorry, to, to, to enter international free agency. And that was something where they specifically went out scouting, looking for players at places that weren't being looked at by everyone else. So mm-hmm. just Cincinnati's doing a great job of, of finding that inefficiency in the market of everybody's in the Dominican, everybody's in Venezuela. Let's go look other places. And since we have more money to spend, if we find a prospect, we can probably outbid other teams for them. And I, I know that one of the scouts that you mentioned is a, a name that Reds fans will remember dearly for some random reason. I mean, you look at his career statistics, there's no reason to remember this guy, but those who watched the team very closely in 2013 and 2014 will remember Donald Lutz. He is, um, he had a bunch of random nicknames. I don't think they ever stuck. I, I liked the Bratz bomber, but you know, I mean, when you're from Germany, you're going to get that kind of stuff. So he, he was a great dude to have on the team and to see that he's still affiliated with the Reds is, is pretty cool. 
Yeah, he from what I from what I was reading, he's actually the one that that found Ben Walmsley and actually got him to to sign. So being newer to to scouting Australia, he's already made an impact. He's already co- contributed there. But between two scouts and an international cross checker that does include Australia, you guys have made a focus on Australia. And I would not be surprised to see even more players in the next draft. I'm sorry, in the next free agency period coming out of Australia and joining Cincinnati system. He is Lindsey Crosby. He is the host of Locked On MLB Prospects. Lindsey, where can people follow you on Twitter for all your great stuff when it comes to the minor leagues? I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Farm. And check out Locked On MLB Prospects wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Well, that's going to wrap up today's edition of Locked on Reds. Coming up on our next podcast, Jeff and I are going to discuss the, what the future might hold for one Nick Senzel. And we're also going to sit down and have a good talk about a survey that C. Trent Rosecrans has posted over at The Athletic uh, that basically is asking Reds fans to rate their confidence in the direction that the franchise is heading. And I can't wait to talk about that and to, to see what some of the Reds fans have to say. Uh, Thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. And now make Locked on Bets your second listen. Uh, Q and Lee Sterling give you the info that you need to make some cash at betonline.ag every single day. Locked on Bets, just like Locked on Reds, is free and available on all platforms. It might be the offseason. We might be locked out. But we're Locked on Reds every single day. See you next time.